You're listening to The Residential Movement, where the focus is on making in-home dental care normal instead of novel or niche. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Robinson, a house call dentist with a lot of passion for reaching patients who are best served in their home or residence. I'm here to encourage, equip, and empower dentists like you to begin offering in-home dental services for patients who cannot get to the office, while also enjoying a more balanced work life. We discuss everything from dentistry, business, ethics, mindset, and more. Listen in to learn how you can become a part of the residential movement. Hello there. Today, I want to share a story with you that I used to be super embarrassed by. It's a story about me learning some lessons the hard way, but I did learn. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I know it will help you along your house call journey. This is the story of my very first appointment with a patient that I had no mutual connection with, a stranger patient. To be specific, this was my third house call, but the other two patients were family members of friends. So I want to talk to you about the first time I met my stranger patient because that was more like my first real visit since there weren't going to be any familiar faces around. Let me set the stage. This appointment took place two weeks after I officially started offering house calls, and in the beginning, I was only offering them one day a week. My assistant and I had only been working together for about a month or so at this point. Now, I've worked with the same assistant for over two years now. She's fantastic and my patients love her, but at first, working together was challenging because we work together remotely. My assistant does not live in Buffalo where I live, and she's not familiar with Buffalo because she lives out of state. So in the beginning, she received an incoming call and booked me with a patient who I didn't know, my first real patient. She texted to tell me and I could not wait to check my schedule that night. After a long day at work, I rushed home and checked my calendar, and when I looked, I saw the new patient. But then I saw that this patient lived in Chautauqua County, which is a rural area 85 miles from my home. It's an hour and a half commute one way. Now, for reference, most of my current patients live within 30 minutes or less of me and each other. I was not looking forward to this long drive. I was going to have to spend more than three hours in the car. To be fair, I had not shared an established travel radius with my assistant. I just assumed that anyone who would hear about my services and be calling us would be people who lived close by because that's where I was advertising. So establishing a travel radius or setting an additional mileage fee never even crossed my mind until then, but it was too late now. The appointment was booked and I did not want to disappoint. When the day of that visit finally arrived, I started packing. And don't ask me how, but I managed to spill SDF on my bare hands. It's only happened once ever and it just had to be that day. So yes, I was going to drive 85 miles and go meet my first real patient with SDF stains all over my hands. I wanted to freak out. I even took a photo so that I didn't forget what a knucklehead I was. I finished packing, got into the car, turned on a podcast, and got comfy for the long drive out to my patient's home. Finally, I arrived at a beautiful home and I was greeted by the most loving mother of an adult child with autism. At that point, the drama of packing and the long drive seemed like distant memories because I was so happy to be there with this family. The mother and I sat down to review medical history, chief complaint, and all the consents. The mother told me that her daughter is extremely shy and uncooperative with new people, but that eventually we'd be able to work together more closely. Now, I already assumed this before the appointment because I knew that patients with autism benefit from desensitization visits. So I thought maybe I'd just get a brief peek in her mouth, maybe apply some fluoride, discuss oral hygiene, nothing major, you know, a quick desensitization visit. Well, we finally went to go meet my new patient in another room. My patient saw me from across the room and waved at me. I smiled and I waved back. She came over and she touched my hands. So I started to put on hand sanitizer. I gave her hand sanitizer. I put on my loops and I was getting ready for the exam. And then she started waving at me again. Although this time it was to say goodbye. She was backing up. She was done. 
That's all she was going to do today. I was thinking, what? That's it? Then I turned to look at her mother, who was beaming. She was absolutely thrilled that her daughter willingly approached me and cooperated with me for so long. And I'm thinking, so long? This interaction took place for like 45 seconds. I didn't even get to look in her mouth. I offered to make another attempt at the dental exam, but her mother said, no, no, I want you to stay on her good side. Do you mind coming back again next week to try again? Outwardly, I smiled and agreed, but when I got back to my car, I was so angry. I wasn't angry at my assistant or my patient or my patient's mother. I was angry at myself. Not only did I start my practice without an established radius and without an additional mileage fee, I also started my practice without a minimum visit fee. I spent 30 minutes packing, over three hours driving, 30 minutes at my patient's home, and a few minutes writing notes when I got back. So I spent over four hours working and earned exactly zero dollars. And I had plans to do that again next week. I felt like such a loser with a stupid dream and no clue what I was doing. And oh yeah, I still had SDF on my hands. It was a low moment for sure. And I should tell you, I didn't charge my first two patients either. I knew right then and there that I would not be able to offer house calls if I didn't become a better businesswoman. And I never aspired to be a businesswoman, but this service would not be sustainable unless I got it together. So fast forward to now, I can confidently say that I've gotten it together. The patient in this story is still a patient of mine today. I do have an established radius, an additional mileage fee, and a minimum visit fee. With these policies in place, I'm now happy when I drive to meet patients in rural western New York. All is well. But this story is just one of the many examples of tough times during the beginning of a comedental, my dental house call practice, that taught me lessons I wish I knew in advance. I hope this story encourages you to keep pushing forward through the low times. If you're committed, you will figure it out and things will improve. Side note, the day of that visit with the SDF on my hands was not the worst day ever. It was actually the same day as my first date with Chris. He was not phased at all by the SDF because he's an electrician, so his hands get beat up too. Anyway, Some of you might be wondering why I didn't anticipate some of these issues or establish these policies from the start. The truth is, I had no clue what I was doing when I started a comedental. Nobody even suggested that I establish these policies. I knew how to be a dentist, but there weren't any free resources available to support house call dentists. I couldn't find a single blog post or anything about how to start this kind of business. I was wise enough to pay an accountant and lawyer and insurance agent and all of that, but they're not house call dentists. So during the year that it took me to plan for and save for a comma dental, I tried reaching out to other house call dentists. All of these dentists live in different parts of the country. So I could find their websites and try to email them or message them on LinkedIn, but I only ever heard back from one of them. One dentist offered to sell me a self-published book for hundreds of dollars. I was skeptical because the book wasn't advertised, so I couldn't read reviews on Amazon or anything. I just had to send hundreds of dollars to her and hope that the book would come in in the mail but I did it because it was the only resource available. It was useful as a shopping list, but it didn't talk much about the business policies or logistics or anything like that. So really, I had to learn everything on the fly. The beginning of a comedental was tough and a bit lonely, but I was seeing quick progress and even able to begin offering house calls two days a week after just three months. So around that time, when my practice had gotten some local news coverage, the author of this book had seen that article and given me a call. I was so excited to see her name flash on my phone. I hoped she could always be a trusty colleague while I was getting my practice off the ground, and I hoped that she was calling to congratulate me for putting what I learned from that book into action. In reality, she called to offer me ongoing consulting and marketing services that were way out of my budget at the time. I told her that I'm sure her services were super valuable, but I wasn't in the position to subscribe to them right now, but maybe someday. Then, I'm not kidding. She insulted my growth and told me that if I was working with her, I'd already be offering house calls full-time. 
I was only three months into my practice. Just wait, it gets better. She then threatened to come to Buffalo to hire someone here to create competition for me. I was shocked by her aggression. Someone I had paid for information was threatening me. I felt lonelier on this house call journey than ever. Months later, I created the residential movement. I want you to have access to information that I never had. I want to encourage you to pursue this field because so many patients need you. I believe this field can offer you a nice lifestyle too. Most importantly, I want you to know that you're not alone here. Now, I am not claiming to be an all-knowing expert or something, but I do know a ton more now about house call dentistry than I did two years ago when I was getting started. Plus, I promise, as I continue learning, I'll be sharing new information with you here so we can all learn together. I hope that this podcast offers you valuable information as you're beginning to build your practice. I hope our official membership of the residential movement can provide you with the community that I was looking for when I got started. Finally, I'm excited to announce that Dental House Call Practice Academy is available and open for enrollment. Dental House Call Practice Academy, or DHCPA, is the only online training of its kind specifically for dentists who are looking to start their own house call practice. This course covers all of the material that I wish I knew when I was getting started. It covers legal basics, equipment lists, best practices, and more. The information offered in this course will leave you more informed and give you confidence as you build your practice. I want you to begin your practice off on the right foot. It's an eight-week course with six modules consisting of dozens of lessons to educate you about the best way to build a dental house call practice. This is not clinical training. I don't think you need me to teach you how to do a denture adjustment, but you might be wondering how to exactly carry your equipment around. If you want to be a house call dentist, I know you can do it. And you can do it alone. I did. But you can spare yourself a lot of the struggle if you decide to enroll in Dental House Call Practice Academy. Visit residentialmovement.com DHCPA to enroll. Whatever route you decide to take, I completely support you on your dental house call journey. More house call dentists means more patients have access, and that's what this is all about. Whether or not you decide to offer dental house calls, please consider contributing to those in need of them by donating to the Home Smile Care Foundation. Visit homesmilecarefoundation.org for more information. Thank you very much for letting me be vulnerable here today and share two stories of the two lows that I've experienced. I want you to learn from my struggles, and I want to help prevent you from experiencing the tough times that I experienced when I was getting started. As always, feel free to email me at hello at residentialmovement.com. I truly do appreciate your loyal listening. Thank you so much for being a part of the residential movement. That's a wrap on this episode of the residential movement. If you like what you heard today, please leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you know someone who could benefit from this information, please share this with them. All of these actions help fuel the residential movement. Visit residentialmovement.com for show notes and for access to any links referenced in this episode. Thanks again for listening, Doc. Keep up the good work.